Oral questions by members. Leader of the official opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, BC's cancer care system was once recognized as internationally one of the best in the world. But that's not the reality anymore. We have plummeting quality of care, and now we have some of the worst wait times in the country. In British Columbia, only 20% of cancer patients referred to an oncologist are being seen within the recommended two-week period. Contrast that with Ontario, where 75% of their residents are being seen within that two-week window. In BC, the wait times for cervical cancer screening is an unacceptable six months. And the wait for radiation therapy is the worst in Canada. We are dead last. On medical imaging, hundreds of thousands of British Columbians are on dangerously long wait lists waiting to be seen. And radiologists tell us that these delays mean that British Columbians will face a tsunami of late-stage cancer cases in the years ahead. So my question to the Minister of Health, in their second term as government, with the health care system failing in so many different areas, Will the minister accept responsibility for these terrible results that the public are having to deal with every single day? Minister of Health. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and uh, um, I appreciate uh, perhaps the member forgot the last line of his question. But I. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Honourable Speaker, I. Um, what I would suggest is that issues around our cancer system have been priorities in the last two budgets. We have a Minister of Finance in British Columbia who has led on this question. And that's why, because of her personal experience and because of her knowledge of the system. And so in the last two budgets, we've added resources to our cancer system in each budget. For example, the $41 million increase in base funding this year on, in addition to our, uh, our funding for caseload meant we added 36 new oncology positions, Honourable Speaker. These new physician roles combined with the 12 we added as a result of the budget in 2021 and the 25 new alternative payment program funded physician positions means that we're building capacity. That's 115.6 new FTEs in addition, Honourable Speaker. We've added, and the member knows this, because the failure of diagnostic care under the previous government is a matter of record. We have dramatically added to the diagnostic capacity of the province, including in cancer, with two pet, new PET CT scanning machines in different communities so that people in the Okanagan and people on Vancouver Island can benefit from care that they never benefited from before. In addition, Honourable Speaker, 17 net new MRI machines in British Columbia and an additional 200,000 CT scans. We are going to continue. We are going to continue with a 10-year cancer plan to lay out the necessary resources to deal with the system now, but also, Honourable Speaker, to deal with the fact that over the next 10 to 15 years, with the increase in our aging population, we need to respond by increasing our resources in oncology and everywhere else to deal with what we will expect to be more age-related cancer in BC.
Leader of the Official Opposition, supplemental. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. I'm sure British Columbians feel comforted that the Minister and the NDP caucus find it humorous and can laugh at the fact that we have some of the worst wait times in the country. Actually, it's no laughing matter. And once again, we, what we see from this member is the total lack of any private sector background because he still hasn't figured out that it's not what you're putting into the system, it's the results you're getting out of it that you should be focusing on. The, the public of British Columbia expect results, not excuses, not a bunch of numbers that mean nothing in terms of improved outcomes. Feyre Kruger is a nurse who was diagnosed with skin cancer and has endured a grueling eight months going from one wait list to another wait list and is now stuck in limbo wondering when, if ever, she'll get a surgery date. We have now gone from having a world-leading cancer care system to now having some of the worst cancer care wait times in the country. This is what a whistleblower on the front lines of cancer care in our province had to say about the issue, and I quote, Parent, patients are not being seen within time frames. We are in a crisis. My job lately has just been rebooking patients weeks to months out and having them crying, yelling, insulting, and beating us down. We are drowning. People are dying. When you hear the news and they say it's bad, it's worse, end of quote. So my question to the minister, who continues to try and tell the House that everything's actually just quite great, regardless of what whistleblowers and frontline staff are saying, patients and our healthcare workers have actually had enough. When is this minister going to understand that empty announcements, repeating a bunch of data, and failing, worsening results is not the outcomes that British Columbians expect from their healthcare system? Minister of Health. Uh, Honourable Speaker, I think the first lung cancer screening program in Canada, established under this government and supported by our teams at the BC Cancer Agency, that's a substantive response. Major investments in two consecutive budgets with more doctors and more oncologists is a substantive response. Taking an MRI and CT and diagnostic system that had declined, including under the time when the leader of the opposition was a Minister of Health is a substantive response, Honourable Speaker. Well, the Minister of Health, the, the former Minister of Health, the Leader of the Opposition, the only Minister of Health in the recent history of British Columbia, Liberal or NDP, who saw a decline in the number of registered nurses in his time in office, can talk about outcomes. At every level. Members, members, members. Members, members, Mr. At every level of the cancer system, given the aging of our population, we require and will require more support and more investment, and that is what we are doing. The member will know, because he was Minister of Health, that there was a turnaround leadership of BC Cancer for 10 years under their government, Honourable Speaker, and we have changed that. We have an outstanding leader at BC Cancer, a Canadian doctor who has led on these issues, Dr. Kim Nguyen Chi. He is leading our 10-year cancer plan initiatives. He is leading our efforts to add staff. And yes, of course, Honourable Speaker, of course, Honourable Speaker, 
there are challenges, Honourable Speaker. But the way you respond is substantive action, not personal attack, Honourable Speaker. The way you respond, Honourable Speaker, is consistent, substantive action, and that is exactly what this government is doing. Member for Prince George Wilmont. Thank you very much. This is not at all about personal attacks, and the Minister knows it. This is about his job, his responsibility to British Columbians. And where it starts in this House should be an acknowledgement that when you walk into an emergency room and you are diagnosed with advanced cancer, that is terrifying. People every day are waiting longer and longer and longer. Dr. Christopher Applethwaite is not only seeing people with undiagnosed cancers walk into an emergency room, but shockingly, he says that patients are choosing medically assisted death because inexcusably long waits for cancer care. Not my words. The doctor says, and I quote, People are just throwing their hands up, going, I know it's bad, and I don't know when I'll get to see the cancer doctors. I'm just going to end my life, end quote. That's what the minister needs to hear from British Columbians. They don't want to hear numbers. They want to see outcomes. So when is this minister going to stand up, acknowledge that there's a crisis, that people are dying while they are waiting, and do something? Minister of Health. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and that is precisely what we are doing, taking action. After 10 years of disruption at BC Cancer, we have given stability and resources to that organization, Honourable Speaker. Stability and resources. Resources in the 2021 budget, resources in the 2022 budget, which means more money for oncologists and a dramatic increase in our screening programs, and our MRI and our diagnostic programs in British Columbia. It is a fact, Honourable Speaker, that people in Kelowna have access to PET-CT scanning in their community now and didn't before. It is a fact, Honourable Speaker, that people on Vancouver Island have the same. And the, minute, the Leader of the Opposition can dismiss those initiatives, but those initiatives did not take place under the previous government, and they, they Honourable Speaker, need to be accountable for that, Honourable Speaker. We will continue to take the actions required. To, to members, member, members, Minister will continue. Honourable Speaker, um, Opposition members, I, I take this subject both personally and in my ministerial responsibility very seriously. And surely we can have a serious discussion about it in the House uh, on this particular subject without the usual chatter from the opposition. The fact of the matter is, Honourable Speaker, the fact of the honorable, uh, matter is, Honourable Speaker, we are and will be making unprecedented investments in cancer care to deliver services to people on the ground. That is what we need to do as a province. That is our obligation as a health care system. That is what we're going to continue to do. And you bet, Honourable Speaker, the people of BC support that. Member for Prince George Wilmot, supplemental. Well, I don't know how many more stories, tragedies that are happening in this health care system that it's going to take for this minister to acknowledge that he has actually been the minister 
for two terms going on six years. And what matters is outcomes. People receive, in our province today, an absolutely devastating diagnosis of cancer. They don't get the basic medical support that they deserve, and they sit and wait in fear. That's the reality. Those are the stories that the Leader of the Opposition hears and brings to this chamber. We all know, the longer you wait, the more the cancer spreads. Dr. Applethwaite says, and I quote, I think it's important to talk about what patients experience, the uncertainty, the waiting that causes the most suffering by far for people. The distress is palpable, end quote. What the minister needs to pay attention to is the suffering that patients are experiencing. It is unimaginable that this doctor says that in BC today, it is faster and easier for many people to get medical assistance in dying than it is to get urgent cancer care. So how many people, to the minister, need to suffer, experience despair, before he will at least acknowledge that he must take urgent action to improve outcomes for British Columbians? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, urgent action is always required with respect to cancer. And urgent action is more effective when we improve screening programs. That's why we established a lung cancer screening program. The highest mortality is from lung cancer. Frequently in the past, across jurisdictions, for all kinds of reasons, it hasn't been a priority of screening programs. We've made it one under the leadership of Dr. Kim Nguyen Chi. Honourable Speaker, at-home cervix screening pilots are underway around the province to improve that aspect of screening. BC, and BC, with respect to hereditary cancer, and these are very significant questions that we absolutely take action and take seriously, Honourable Speaker. It, it, we've seen referrals to that program, the hereditary cancer program, increased, Honourable Speaker. And that's why in 2021-22, last year, we invested substantial funds, $2,250,000, to eliminate the backlog, and that elimination is expected to be complete by fall 2022. It requires action in every element of cancer care. Strong leadership, not inconsistent leadership. Investment in research, not cutting research. Adding diagnostic screening, not worst in Canada in diagnostic screening, Honourable Speaker. Those are the results people can count on in British Columbia. Leader of the Third Party. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. We, we hear uh, in responses about health care over and over about the inputs going in. We don't hear about the outcomes that we're getting on the ground. Honourable Speaker, progress has been made on payments to family doctors, but the crises in healthcare continue. In the ER in Port Hardy has had closures for months. A senior at Victoria General Hospital who recently had a stroke has had to sleep on an old couch in the hallway. He's now being discharged, even though he was told only days before that he needed rehabilitation from the stroke. Cancer surgeries are being de delayed time and again, leaving people to get sicker and their prognosis worsens. 
To quote from a constituent in Saanich, my husband has another three weeks to wait for his cancer surgery. We have waited weeks already. I see how a tiny melanoma spot on his head doubled in size within a week. Hospitals are discharging people. They're delaying essential surgeries, and they're past their breaking point. On top of it, they're preparing for things to get worse. Yesterday, BC Children's Hospital wrote a memo to staff stating they are establishing an emergency operations center, anticipating that things for children are going to get worse. And nothing is worse for a parent than when you need care for your child, and it's not there. My question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. What does he say to the people who can't get care for themselves, for their elders, and for their children in our health care system right now? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And yes, we are preparing for this fall and winter. Yes, in a global health emergency, a COVID-19 pandemic, we're preparing. This was announced and laid forward. This was announced and presented to the people of BC uh, two months ago to demonstrate that that preparation is happening, to prepare every healthcare facility for what is expected to be, because of what's happened, for example, in the Southern Hemisphere, a more challenging flu and COVID influenza and COVID-19 season in our hospitals. So yes, we're preparing in every healthcare facility in BC, and that is the strength of public healthcare, to prepare for exactly those things. So every health authority and every hospital is preparing. You bet they are. And I think the message is, in addition to everything else, the absolute fundamental importance for everybody to be immunized against influenza and immunized against COVID-19 with a bivalent booster this fall, which will assist greatly in ensuring those numbers were lower, but it will also assist in keeping people healthier through what will be a challenging fall. So the member is correct. We are preparing for that season, as everyone would expect we would, Honourable Speaker. And, and we did that in 2021, and we did that in 2020, and we delivered on those expectations with, I think, some of the best responses to the pandemic in the world. And we're going to continue to do it this year. Deed of the third party supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, indeed, pediatric units around the world are showing signs of being in, under enormous challenge. Uh, the, Montreal's pediatric unit is, be is being described like a horror film. Two of their hospitals hit two to three times their capacity. In Ontario, adult ICUs are accepting teenagers to help create capacity of pediatric units. Here at BC Children's Hospitals, surgeries are already being cancelled because of nurses' shortage. The memo that went out to staff yesterday is asking healthcare workers to, quote, show up in a different way, lean in where emerging needs are the greatest. There's been a chronic shortage of nurses in hospitals. Imagine how those who have been working on short-staffed units and are already struggling with burnout feel when they're asked to lean in even more instead of hearing that help is on the way. My question is to the Minister of Health. What does the Minister say to the nurses and doctors who are being asked to lean in when they are already exhausted, and to the parents whose children's surgeries have been cancelled? Minister of Health. 
Well, Honorable Speaker, first of all, I would say that because of the extraordinary work of our surgeons and our medical device technicians and our nurses and our healthcare workers and our health sciences professionals, we did more surgeries in September than ever before in British Columbia in a pandemic, Honorable Speaker. I would say that, of course, we're preparing for the conditions of the fall. Of course we are. That is our duty and it's our responsibility. And it's been that approach led by our healthcare teams around the province that has been effective in previous falls. It will be a challenge and we are responding to them. I would say that we've added 604 nursing spaces this year. I would say that we've changed, we've improved pathways for internationally educated nurses to work in BC. I'd say we've taken specific action to address issues in the workplace that are important to the BC Nurses Union and the Hospital Employees Union, like improved security, Honourable Speaker. I would say that we are absolutely leaning in to support nurses and everyone else in our health care system. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. And I don't know what the Minister was just talking about because Kelowna General Hospital sits this morning at 137% occupancy with 103 ALC patients. No deviation whatsoever. So I don't know about this preparation for the fall, but it certainly isn't trickling down to the interior. In fact, my constituent in Kelowna was just told that her mother, who she cares for, has cancer and only has six months to live. But when she went to get an appointment for her mother with an oncologist, she was told that her mom's not gonna be able to be seen for three months. So that means that the six months that they've got left with her mom, half of them are gonna be spent sitting on a chair at her house waiting for an appointment. She says, and I quote, I have called, I have begged, I have pleaded, I have explained the situation that she doesn't have long, and I can't get anything done until we get into the cancer clinic, end quote. How many more families will have to suffer through the last days of their lives because they are stuck on a cancer wait list under this NDP government and this Minister of Health? Minister of Health. Honourable Speaker, of course, and uh, I don't speak about individual cases, but when members want to bring individual cases to my attention, I personally look into them. I think they know that. I think they know that, Honourable Speaker. But I would say, Honourable Speaker, that what is required in our cancer center system is the kind of investments we're making. Taking away a centralized system and ensuring that there are new cancer centers in different parts of British Columbia, Honourable Speaker. It's why, for people in Surrey, when we're building a new hospital in Surrey, something that should have happened a decade ago. <laughs> we're also building... Members, members, members. Minister of Health has this. Floor. We're also building, Honourable Speaker, a new cancer centre. I would hope that members of the opposition would support that. Honourable Speaker, well, uh, the leader of the opposition has always takes these matters very seriously. But I think that, uh, I think, Honourable Speaker, what is required is exactly the kind of investment in screening and support we're providing. Our healthcare system 
has, is and has been in the midst of two public health emergencies. And it has responded, Honorable Speaker, with resources and courage that are second to none. And we have to continue to do that. We absolutely engage with individual patients who have struggles in that healthcare system to make sure they get the care they need. And sometimes, let's face it, that can be a challenge. But our teams are working with people everywhere. And the strong investment in cancer, not now, but in the last number of years, helps in that regard and will continue to help, Honorable Speaker, as we address these issues over the next 10 years when we are expecting a significant increase in the number of people living with cancer because of increases in, in our population over 75. So what that requires is a health human resources plan. We've put one in place. More nurses, we're hiring more nurses. We've hired 38,000 net new healthcare workers over the time I've been Minister of Health. We need to do it again. And that means exactly the kind of investment and teamwork that went into our agreement with doctors this week, exactly the kind of work and effort that went into our working with the BCNU on security, Honorable Speaker, exactly the kind of investment that went into our work with the HEU on long-term care. Members, we members. need to continue that work. Members. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, this minister likes numbers so much, I'll, I'll give some numbers here. Hundreds of thousands of British Columbians are stuck on wait lists for medical imaging. One of the reasons for this backlog is the critical shortage of medical imaging technologists. BC is the worst in the country when it comes to technologists per capita. We are dead last under this Minister of Health. Statistics show that BC needs to hire more than 3,500 medical radiation techs just to meet the national average. Wow. In the second term of government, why is this minister failing to do the work needed to recruit and retain medical technicians in this province? Minister of Health. Uh, Honourable Speaker, um, with great respect to the member, it's on this issue of diagnostic imaging across the board where more people have been hired than almost any other uh, discipline in the province. Why, Honourable Speaker? Why? I mean, the facts are the facts. I know member, members of the opposition. Members, please. There he goes again, Honourable Speaker. There he goes again, Honourable Speaker. We, we went from near the bottom of Canada in MRI wait times to the top. That's the Canadian Institute for Health Information. Bottom, top. In the Northern Health Authority, in the Northern Health Authority, Honourable Speaker, when I became Minister of Health, there were 22 MRIs per thousand, Honourable Speaker. At the time in Ontario, it was 62, Honourable Speaker. It was 62, Honourable Speaker. Uh, uh, and uh, now, Honourable Speaker, we've more than doubled that for people in the north. Medical imaging, Honourable Speaker, MRIs, CT scans, new PET CT scanners have improved dramatically, Honourable Speaker. 
Before Honourable Speaker, under the previous government, they would expect people to go to a private clinic and pay themselves. Now, Honourable Speaker, by running our machines 24-7, they do it in the public health care system. Opposition House Leader. Well, uh, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. The BC is the worst in the country when it comes to technologists per capita, as my colleague just mentioned. We are dead last under this health minister. So when he sits here and he talks about uh, going from worst to best to best to worst, he, he's, he's completely, completely disconnected from the reality of what patients in British Columbians are facing. But I want to, I want to move to a, to, a, to a different health care issue, Mr. Speaker. Across British Columbia, parents are increasingly stressed trying to deal with a growing shortage of children's pain medication like Tylenol and Advil. The problem is hurting parents like Amber from Victoria who says, and I quote, I'm a single mom that doesn't drive and I cannot force my three kids out of the house to search high and low for Tylenol when they're sick, end quote. Just yesterday, the Prime Minister said that the provinces should be taking action. But we've heard nothing from the BC uh, Health Minister about actions that are being taken here to secure a supply of children's pain medication. As more and more kids get sick this fall, parents are stuck watching their kids in pain while being unable to find the medicines that they need to give to their children. So a simple question to the Minister of Health. What is he doing to ensure that parents have access to the critical pain medication that their kids need as they get sick this fall? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And of course, Honourable Speaker, some of these issues are issues everywhere in the world. They're issues throughout the United States. They're issues throughout Canada and in all jurisdictions in Canada. Health authorities, especially our teams dealing with children around the province, are taking steps, of course, to provide supply, but some of this is about private sector supply chains. And so there is a significant role for the federal government. I have not heard um, before the contribution of the Prime Minister to this discussion, but I can tell you, and this is an issue in the past number of weeks I have discussed with his health minister, and one that all jurisdictions have to work together, but also, Honourable Speaker, the providers and the manufacturers of the very medication in question have to work together on to improve. I agree with the honourable member. It is absolutely a priority for, uh, for parents and all those in the system. Some of these are issues in terms of supply that we have worked on in other issues, and he is well aware because it affected his riding. We have consistently worked during the pandemic when there have been shortages to get care and medication to the people who need it. But this is an international problem Honourable Speaker, in terms of supply, and one that we have to do everything we can. Please continue. Uh, I think we have to do everything we can, Honourable Speaker, to address these questions, working with both the manufacturers and the federal government to see that that happens. The balance the question period. Madam Clark.